it was like broken in a way that I couldn't really fix effectively. And I had just gotten to the end of my rope of like modifying my stick and trying to fix it. Like I was just so tired of buying new, like new parts and stuff and like screws being loose. And like when I was younger, like, oh, that was so cool. Like I can replace my grommet and change the tension and yeah. change to my buttons. This time when it broke, I just said, screw it. And now I play on hitbox. <laughs> Because there's nothing to there's nothing to change. <laughs> it's just it's basically a controller, but it's yep. like the best version of a controller. So like now, I've went from like playing on this stick to this stick to like I play on stickless now, and I use Cheatbox. absolute guard podcast where the podcast that chronicles the past and present of the fighting game community and bring us bring on various perspectives from arizona you can find us on twitch when we go live at twitch.tv slash spiral series on youtube with the vods at youtube.com slash spiral series and if you're listening on your podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify under absolute guard uh, to all of you watching and listening we appreciate all the, all of you that liked and subscribed uh, tweeted and retweeted uh, any of the tweets from our personal accounts are any of the are the official Absolute Guard uh, account. Uh, this is episode eighteen. My name is Benny, also known as AK Grandmaster B, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host John, who is uh, thoroughly embroiled in this uh, rappers versus FGC controversy going on right now. Oh man, how you doing, John? I am. Yeah, I'm enthralled by it. Uh, there's a lot to talk about there, and our guest does want to talk about that too. So we're gonna. We're going to bring him on pretty soon. Who do we have? To, who are we talking to today, Benny? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, today, we're joined again by Mr. Will Get Paid. He was previously on episode three, uh, joined by Sean Dude, uh, when we were talking about the Tekken versus, uh, or I'm sorry, the Tucson versus Phoenix uh, Tekken 10v10. Uh, we wanted to bring him on by himself this time, get a little bit of a discussion going on with him. How are you doing today? Oops, I forgot to unmute him. Sorry. <laughs> oh can you guys hear me yeah yeah cool how's it going benny and john doing good doing good pretty good very cool well yeah so last time we had you on for the the tucson versus phoenix with sean dude and we kind of went through all your origin already um so we just as a as a brief re recap for folks uh you are uh a top tekken player in arizona a top tekken player in the nation really uh like you've you've, you've uh, placed very high at, at, at out-of-state tournaments, at Evo, at, um, uh, I think you qualified for a, a, a Tekken uh, Invitational recently. Is that right? Um, yeah, so that was last year I won um, our tournament here, undefeated, and then I got an invite to the LCQ for Red Bull Kumite. So cool. Very cool. Uh, a Steve Fox player and probably I, one of the strongest players, if not one, if not the strongest player in Phoenix right now. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll have a little game with that later. That's what I was thinking about. If you <laughs> say so. Yeah, that's my opinion. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot about that. Too much, too much. Giving it away. <laughs> cool, cool. So, 
How's yeah, that? So oh, yeah, we were talking about Lupe Fiasco, weren't we? That's That was the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I completely forgot where we were going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Lupe Fiasco and Waka Flaka. So, uh, so for the record, Waka I'm not Flaka super... Waka Flaka Flame, yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. not super familiar with the former, but or the latter, rather. Uh, but as of today, Lupe Fiasco and Chris G had a beef on Twitter. And I'm talking about it in kind of a patronizing way because the conversation was about that asinine. Um, it was just people talking <laughs> shit. And uh, to recap uh, Lupe Fiasco's history with the FGC, he played an invitational or sorry, a, an exhibition match with Daigo yeah. Umehara uh, to celebrate the release of Street Fighter V. Daigo Umehara played his hardest, his absolute hardest, but couldn't pull it out against Lupe Fiasco and Lupe Fiasco took it. He hasn't played the, been seen playing these games since, um, and Chris G had the uh, uh, wisdom to call out all rappers in fighting in the fighting game community, or all rappers saying that they are not good at fighting games, and then that turned into uh, impugning Lupe Fiasco's honor and his word uh, and his skills in the video game, and it t- escalated quickly into scrub quotes stuff like "I will street fight you in real life," that kind of shit. So. <laughs> that's what wow. i know about it so far i don't know much about the waka flaco stuff uh we'll get paid do you have a you have some commentary on that <laughs> oh well first of all like that was super interesting because you know for my own sanity i do try to stay off twitter like during the day but i did like i saw some of that stuff going on um i didn't hear all of that i just saw like one tweet from chris g and I was like, that was like the only time that I've seen Chris G's tweets in like months. So I knew it was like, oh, this this is gonna be a blow up for sure, <laughs> because like it's never it's never him just saying like, yo, peep this new Morgan combo, right? No, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So <clears throat> the the whole reason I found it interesting was like, you know, people were talking about Lupe Fiasco, and I remember that exhibition. That was that was fun and everything, but. Yeah. More recently, there was a Tekken tournament last weekend in Atlanta, and uh, Waka Flocka Flame was there, and he's a huge rapper as well. And, like, you know, people that go to that venue, it's called 404 Esports. Um, they've mm-hmm. probably seen him before. And yeah, he was just like on Twitter talking with some of the players because apparently there was a Texas versus um, Atlanta, like 5v5, I think. Oh. And I- and Texas took it, right? Because, <laughs> you know, the, there's just, there's great Tekken talent all over the country, all over the world. But, like, Texas has a lot of good players. Atlanta is, like, known as, like, the home of of Tekken. And, like, oh. America, like, traditionally, yeah, a lot of... So, Anakin is from Atlanta. He's pretty much, like, if you could say, like, the face of American Tekken, he is... Like, if there's a Mount Rushmore, right? Like, he's definitely one of the heads up on that mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that his team didn't win and they lost to Texas is a, I mean, that's just, you know, kind of interesting. And then, uh, B yeah, Waka Flocka wasn't going to take that. Cause he's like, nah, Atlanta. Cause like, you know, that's his that's hometown. His hometown right. Yeah. Um, and then he was kind of just calling out him and his friend, I think we're just calling out like some of the Texas guys and good fun, like, you know, money match me like for like, you know, honor and that, that sort of thing. And then it was just funny because various different players started getting mentioned, but it was like the fun kind of like um, trash talk and uh, competition where they were like, yeah, I want to play you. Show me what you're about. 
And, you know, somebody brought up some other players like uh, Shadow20Z, who's from Illinois. Um, he, like, uh, Waka Flocka, like, called him out. And he was like, you know, if you can beat me, maybe you can be on my team. Because he has his own gaming team, apparently. Oh, really? It's called, like, N- Nobi Gaming, something like that. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't know about okay. it until yeah. recently. But, yeah, he has his own team and all that. And I was like, yeah, definitely sponsor Shadow and these other really good players. So it was much more like oh, Govial over in our world. So then I checked Twitter today and I see <laughs> this and I'm like, oh, you guys all right over there in Street Fighter realm? Like, Oh no, that's what <laughs> happened? Okay. Yeah, okay. I was thinking it was a positive thing and then I saw oh, that, so. I turned, yeah, we told this out of order. So I guess, yeah, like I, I saw a little bit of that exchange between Sonic Fox and Waka Flocka. I didn't know the, the background there, but it was very good natured. Yeah. It was like, you think you ni- you're nice at the game, but you're not. And then that they kept it basically like that, but then right. yeah. yeah, I guess it evolved once Christy and Lupe Fiasco got got involved. But I, I guess even from Lupe Fiasco's uh, perspective, like he it sounds like he just kind of got dragged into it, and yeah. now he's mad that he got dragged into it. <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> so... <laughs> that's why. That's why when I heard about it, I was like, "Wait, people are saying Lupe Fiasco's like being weird." I was like, "Why was he oh. even like brought into this?" So yeah, I mean, ego, egos are a crazy thing because I think that's what it really kind of came down to because it's like people were discrediting him and his win over Daigo over you know whether you guys think it's legit or not. Can we talk think, about that? You know, Let's talk about I that. I think <laughs> I think those of us that are you know are well versed in the FTC and you know the players that are in it you know know that wasn't a legit. Well, I think <laughs> anyone that's ever played in the FGC also knows that you take those W's. So I yeah. don't care what you say. <laughs> hey, no, I, hey, I'm right up there too. I took a round off Daigo. I used yeah. that as a profile pick on Facebook and on Twitter. I took a yeah. round off them. I mean, the rest yeah. of the time, like, I basically got double perfected, but we're not going to talk about that. Right. We don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't clip those parts. I clip the other part for, my, for myself. You know what I mean? But still, it's just like, you know, I think. For the most part, everybody knows that that wasn't like a legit win. And, you know, I mean, it just became like a whole ego battle because I, from what I saw, because I didn't see a lot of it. I just saw like the initial like I'll spot anybody 20, 19 games in a first to 20 and, you know, from Chris G. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I don't know, other people in the FGC from like uh, it was a Gianna was just like, imagine, you know, being worth millions and, you know, fighting with Chris G on the Internet. And then I saw I saw a quote a, t- a quote tweet uh, from Lupe where it was just like, why does it matter how much money I have? You know, if he's gonna talk, you know, I'm here for it or something like that. And I'm like, okay, so it's not like you know, he's not yeah. worried, you know obviously he's not worried about the money or whatever, but it's just I, you know it's a pride thing at that point. One of these guys has a publicist and the other one doesn't though. So <laughs> like I feel like so 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 the conclusion to the story at least is uh, as as of this taping. Is that yeah. uh, Lupe Fiasco deleted all of his tweets, uh, so none of that stuff's on the internet anymore. So guess what? We're preserving history on the Absolute Guard podcast. <laughs> and um, uh, now I think it's something like, oh, Lupe Fiasco doesn't even want to be part of. He's like, oh, I didn't even, I wasn't even part of this. Like I got dragged in. That's his, that's his narrative. He's sticking with that. And I don't think yeah. I would love. I would love if. Um, Capcom had already booked Lupe Fiasco for Street Fighter Six promotion to do that rematch with Daigo, and now it's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> no way it's going to happen now, because Chris G's just going to show up. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Yep. And also, yeah. my opinion I mean, on that old match, that match with Lupe Fiasco, um, 
like I think Daigo was actually just trying to do trick shots the whole time, if I recall correctly. Like he like yeah. he would just walk up on parry on wake up and he was just trying to parry everything. And then I think he was trying to like beat him at the last minute and then and then something happened and he dropped his combo or he fucked up and then Lupe Fiasco killed him. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I think he was trying to like make it really like down to the wire and put on a really nice show and then he fucked up, dropped a combo and died. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I don't know about legit. you guys. I, like I've, I've done those kind of things too, playing with, you know, playing with my son, playing with friends or whatever. I'm just like, yeah, you guys can get a few hits and like, yeah, I feel good about yourself. And yeah, let me finish you off now. And then like you lose and the next thing you know, like you never hear the end of it. It's like, oh, come on. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so, so yeah, that's pretty much how I thought of it. I mean, regardless of what it is, you know, it's all silly. It's all Twitter nonsense. I don't, I don't think anything's gonna come of it. Yeah, no, I think that <clears throat> most of the story has run its course. Like, it's pretty much if you watch the match, like you remember what happens, and then all of this nonsense today is pretty just out of left field. So it's probably better that those tweets got deleted because you know, of course, someone's gonna try to drag this up. 15 yeah. years from now and hold it over somebody's <laughs> head, but who really cares? Yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners, we are trying something new and then talking about current events and stuff. We just got a bad draw this, this, this time around. <laughs> <laughs> um, even then, if we had taped this like last week, it would have been even shittier. Cause it was all, it was the dating conversation in the FGC Twitter. Well, uh, I didn't even see that. those things go in, in circles anyway. Like it's cyclical. That's that, very true. That stuff comes up every now and again. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you guys, um, you, John, you were talking about wanting to talk about graphics engines with, uh, with we'll get paid here. Um, that's a little bit out of my, my arena here, but what exactly were you wanting to get into regarding those topics? Yeah. So the background around here is that, um, uh, we'll get paid as a software engineer and, uh, like, uh, he and I have like I'm a software engineer too, and we've traded we've traded tips like throughout the the years here. But uh, he has a specialty, I think, or not a specialty, but at least you you've been focusing a lot on on uh, graphics and graphics yeah. engines and ray tracers or like uh, what's that the the thing where you point like sh- when you shoot a gun and then you can in in a game and you can tell where the bullets spray and stuff like that. You explained that to me once over beers, and I was like, if we could rehash that and kind of bring benny along as well and like that would be bullet super spray awesome. how drunk were we yeah so basically <laughs> um yeah i studied computer graphics in college and i focused go. on um or sorry i studied computer science so i focused on computer graphics um hmm. that's not what i do for my job or anything but it's just like a, <clears throat> it's something that interests me yeah and obviously like i play video games all the time so those are the that's one of the prototypical examples of computer graphics. Like everything you see, somebody had to write the code to make you see it on the screen. And like, I've done a ray tracer, which is for, it's really great at making realistic images that are like still pictures. Um, but doing it at anything close to what you would consider a gaming speed, like real time game speed is like super difficult to do. Um, okay. And if you buy, you know, like the, best hardware there is now you can sort of do it but like most console games that we play don't really do that but the concepts behind making the images are the same um so yeah so so what uh, for a layman like what is a ray trace or, or a ray tracer ray tracing it's literally um it's a way of describing light so without getting into too much detail light is a bunch of 
of rays, right? Like the sun shoots rays. So a ray tracer is where you basically have like an image and then you put the sun somewhere, you describe where the sun would be in respect to the image. And then every, essentially in a screen, every pixel of the screen, you shoot a ray from the sun into it and then you see what it hits and then you color whatever hits the color that it would be. That's the basics of it. That's technically a, like a ray caster. And then you can do like, well, what if the hits a mirror Well, the light has to bounce and all Reflections. sorts of things like that. Yeah. Um, but that's the basics is you just shoot a ray into every pixel of the screen and then whatever it hits, you paint that color and then you have an image. And that's why it's really good at making oh. realistic images because that's a rather crude approximation of reality, but it is like very similar to what actually happens like on a very basic level. So do you, okay. do you use the ray tracer for like, is it only for light or if I wanted to change like my, like a, a color from like green to purple or something, would I, could I apply a ray tracer to it and then change that color that way? Uh, the ray tracer is think of it as like the system that your program runs on. Like, okay. All it does is, it uses like mathematics to um, solve problems of like figuring out colors. So first, first it actually has to hit things. So it does intersection calculations. Okay. But um, anyway, after it intersects things, it just calculates what the color is. So as long as there, there's always a description of every scene that goes along with it, that's like the program. You give it a description. And then it runs the calculations on that description. So like if I said, oh, there's like a, a square box there, I would just give the dimensions of the box. And then with respect to where the sun is, if there's a ray that hits the box and I say that the box is white, then like it will, wherever it intersects that box, it'll paint a white color. And that's what it does with everything in the scene and a very basic level. Okay. Um, yeah, so... That's kind of how I learned about computer graphics, but you know, that aside for a second, all the games we play are using rasterization, which is oh, a it's sure. a different paradigm. But the the, the basic concepts are kind of similar because you still need to know like where things are and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Um, yeah. So okay. So like when I think of like uh, lighting engines or like how light is reflected on a on a fighting game model uh the like i've seen two i've seen it done two different ways like for street fighter 5 it's or 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 even tekken 7 like it's it's done like in the traditional way where you have a lighting source and then you know your characters change colors based on that that lighting source so but you also have to find that nice balance of making sure the characters don't blend too much into the background so oftentimes they have lights like in front of them like where the camera is and uh, I see that style, but then I also saw like uh, Art System Works has like completely revolutionized the the genre in with Strive and with Exerd prior uh, prior to it, where they like they have the three D models, but then each of them has their own individual lighting sources. Like, and so it's called get hero, this anime. Lighting. hero lighting. Yeah. Okay. So basically, there's there's yeah. So getting into like the rasterization pipeline, basically yeah. think of it like this: ray tracing is using physics like to describe things in your okay. system rasterization is literally cheating it's just lying about everything to make the picture look cool there's no physical basis in how rasterization works like where the light comes out so it's exactly like you said basically if i wanted that to be blue i would just put 
a blue light right there and it's invisible but it paints blue light on everything so like hero lighting is sort of like you know people do podcasts all the time so you don't see there's a there's a light source right there that's making me visible <laughs> so like in those like strive and stuff uh whenever you see like a really cool cut scene and then it like zooms in on the character's face and then they're about to punch somebody real hard like dragon ball fighters for example yeah. um while that happens you know when the scene changes lights are moved around so that it looks the best possible it's not um system it's not systemic or systematic like it's not as if there's just the sun and then we happen to be in this perfect spot in the sun no like they literally put a light right outside of the camera and then do the animation so it looks cool and like every video game does that that has really cool animations um i'm sure even like nrs they're really actually ahead of the curve in how they do a lot of their lighting and stuff i know people have their gripes about the animation and stuff, but like the way the characters are lit and like they use what's called, a lot of games use this now, it's called PBR, physically based, um, what the heck does the R stand for? Well, whatever, it's physically <laughs> based. Um, no, it's, it's like materials, but I, f I forget why it's called PBR. But anyway, it's so that you can simulate more complex things like how skin reflects light and absorbs it and stuff. Which like yeah like injustice, um, Mortal Kombat. That's why um, you know who Carrie Yuki Tagawa. Um, he's the he played Shang Tsung in the in the movie. Oh, and, oh okay okay yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah super awesome. Um, but like one of the skins in Mortal Kombat for Shang Tsung is him. Yeah, and like it looks like him. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's yeah it's amazing um so yeah i just like the the nrs people are like super they use super high tech uh rendering technology it's still yeah. rasterized um it's not like using ray tracing but it's just extremely advanced okay. and uh yeah sort of segueing into that like tekken also uses extremely advanced like always has techniques to make their games look amazing so yeah. i'm gonna say with the r rendering is that was, was, was it rendering um it could be i actually don't know i've heard the ter the terminology but it just basically okay. means that um objects have descriptions of like what their materials are gotcha so so to be clear though that tekken falls under the rasterization technique or the yeah so basically system. any fighting every fighting game ever uses rasterization mm -hmm. mm. okay so it seems like Mortal Kombat's going for that realistic look, I guess, and like they're they're pushing it. Like it's not, like when I think of like realistic video games, I think of like the Naughty Dog games and The Last of Us and stuff, and they're doing like the full on mocap stuff. And it seems like Mortal Kombat's going in that direction, but Tekken and and Street Fighter, um, they while still using that same technique and avoiding cell shading that the Arxis is doing, they still have like a stylized look to it, right? Like they still exactly. look like anime characters, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's interesting how you marry the graphics engine, like because Tekken also has that realistic graphics engine though too. So how do you how does Tekken handle like both the art style not clashing with the the graphics engine? Isn't that interesting? Like that that's <laughs> why I think Tekken is so um, intriguing. Like it's why it's so fun to watch because like you're watching a guy that turns into the devil fight a bear. And like it somehow it seems like you, you just suspend your belief. You're like, yeah, no, they're like they're just fighting. That's not weird, yeah. but it's 
it's the most anime thing you've ever heard of before right <laughs> um and it's because yeah they use rendering techniques to make everything look like um believable we'll say um yeah so so for example like um i remember michael murray was very uh, happy about this when tekken 7 originally came out but the bears and you know benny you play kuma like yeah they have fur and they use like a very specific uh, fur rendering to give it volume because all it really is <laughs> like in the game is it's just some like triangles like very like thin triangles that's all it really is but there yeah. are all these techniques of like layering volumes over it so that it looks fluffy and like furry and stuff and then they also ever since um honestly since tekken 6 um maybe tekken 5 the team has always added in these things where characters interact with the environment it's a very like on and off thing where if you fall in dirt you're character will get dirt on their um, clothing somewhere wow. um there's one stage in tekken tag 2 that's really famous it's just this purple lake it's really weird and if you get knocked down and you get back up your character for like a good minute or two their clothes are darker and like they look wet so when that interacts with like kuma it, it looks really you know like cool right um so it's just the point is like those types of like interactions are what make the game uh, it ground it somewhat in reality, even though what's happening on screen is super fantastical. Yeah. Um, so for the the fur being dirty and uh, example, right? So to tie it back to the rasterization technique, it would be like, oh, so the bear hit the ground, and so therefore that spot that hit the ground, we need to project a light that's dirt colored onto the bear. Is that what? Or, or like a, a hero light or something onto the bear? Is that how that would work to make the bear look dirty? Um, so it's sort of, uh, as far as the rasterization is concerned, all that really matters in a fighting game, because most of them are very simple. They have to run at 60 frames per second. Uh -huh. there is just a, there's just a couple of lights around the stage so you can see everything, and they don't really update that much. Okay. Um, all that happens to the fur is, yeah, there's just a, a line of code that's like, you know, did he fall? then paint this part of his body, you know, a little bit more brown, like add brown to it if he okay. hits the dirt. Yeah, that's all it, that's all it really is. Okay. That, that, that reminds me of some of the battle damage uh, that I've seen on, on the, the recent Street Fighter VI beta um, footage, at least. And uh, it's the same deal. Like, the more you get hit, the more, like, you get, like, graffiti stains on your, on your jacket and stuff like that if you... <laughs> Like I saw graffiti old, stains. Yeah, dead serious. Instead of blood and stuff, like like Giles got a pair of blue overalls, right? But by the end of the match, he might have like splotches of green on it from all the graffiti oh. from, throughout <laughs> the art uh, throughout the That's art style. Cool. Of the, like drive impact, drive rush. The, they just splash graffiti everywhere. <laughs> so that's kind of I cool. like that. Um, going back to Tekken though, so like the you say the Tekken, the Tekken guys are using advanced stuff. Is that stuff that they make in-house or is this like an engine that they've built throughout the Tekken series? Or is this something that they're kind of grabbing off the shelf or taking from what other developers are doing? Like how, how is it looking? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So funny you ask that. So going back to Tekken, everything before Tekken seven used a bespoke engine or like a custom engine. Um, it did not use unreal engine. I used to think Tekken Tag 2 used Unreal Engine, but it actually didn't. Um, okay. And there's there's a lot of 
um, things that stem from that, like a lot of um, side effects of that. So when you create your own engine, you can design it exactly for the task at hand. And like Tekken games, what do you want from a Tekken game? Great graphics, 60 frames per second gameplay, um, you know, low input lag, which is sort of ties into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, like good movements and, and lots of characters, cool stages and stuff like that. So, yeah, Tekken Tag 2, that's why it was actually really cool because it was on PS3 and it had um, comparatively pretty, like, compared to Tekken 6, it looked just way, um, way more refined. I think they used more, like, um, post-processing effects. So, for example, like, um, when certain people would do, like, their... Um, when they would go into rage mode or do, like, a, a special throw attack, there would be a lot of camera pans, right? Oh, so, for example, tag two, there were tag throws. So you could throw someone oh, yeah. and tag, and your teammate would come in and, like, clothesline them. Like, say you were king and armor king. King grabs you, he spins you, the camera shifts, and then you see armor king come out of the screen and just clothesline you, bam, right? Yeah, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> And so what happens subtly is there's like some motion blur there to like make the motion seem fluid. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a zoom and there's like some, I don't, there's sometimes depth of field. I don't know if tag throws use them, but basically all of these techniques were implemented in the engine to highlight the action. And that's why if you see any clip of Tekken Tag 2, like promotional, it just looks super cool. It's like you're watching a movie or something for some reason. Mm -hmm. I can't even explain some of the techniques, but like their mastery of like camera techniques is so crazy. And it goes all the way back to like, you know, Tekken one, two, three. Um, I'll never forget the first time I ever did um, martial laws, actually in Tekken three, it was forest law, but I did forest laws uh, one throw or one plus three throw, I think it is. Where actually, no, it's like four, four, three plus four. But anyway, he runs up your chest and then falls on you. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's it's so insane, right? And what they do to highlight it in Tekken 3 is the camera comes up and, like, sort of pans out so you can see how high up he ran up your chest. And then it yeah. zooms in as he splats on you. So yeah. it's really cool. And it, like, sort of tilt shifts, too. Um, yeah, you should really check it out on YouTube after this. Um, but that was the first time I was like, how the heck did you do that? Like, you've never seen that in Street Fighter. Like, when I do Dash Punch with Balrog, like, he just goes from here, and then he goes there. Like, you know, like, <laughs> in this yep. game, the camera's, like, moving around. So they, they've they been doing that stuff for years. So then in Tekken Tag 2, like, when you beat someone, uh, they would have this thing where, like, Kazuya, say you're playing Kazuya and, like, Jin, they hate each other canonically. So when it says you win and they're on the screen together, you'll see like one of them on the screen and then one will come from off screen and they'll like look at each other and the camera will zoom in for a second and they like try to punch each other or something, you know, like just to, just to highlight <laughs> yeah. it. But basically, um, that's yeah. stylistic, like, or rather, exactly. that's like a, like polish and style, like any kind yeah. of character specific intros or uh, finishing thing is just. That, yeah, it's just about making the characters feel alive, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and the way they're able to accomplish those is um, by their, tech, their technology. 
And yeah, in Tag 2 and before, it was all a bespoke engine. But yeah, so in Tekken 7, uh, it does use Unreal Engine 4, which is which at the time was, you know, kind of cutting edge stuff. One question I had for you, like, um, obviously, like, you know, the technical side about a lot of this stuff. Do you find yourself critiquing games or bad techniques, like when you when you play something or you even see like videos for it? Because like, that's something that I, you know, like, I see the, like these YouTube videos. In, uh, was it like military guy watches Call of Duty and gives his feedback or, you know, <laughs> F-16 pilot, you know, critiques Top Gun Maverick and blah, blah, blah. Like, do you find yourself in those kind of situations? Um, yeah, I definitely critique things, but I, I'm definitely not an expert. Um, yeah. Writing, making a video game is super hard and an engine is super yeah. hard. Um, so even if I find something, like a lot of stuff in like Street Fighter 4 and 5, I find yeah. easy to critique, especially in hindsight um like the fact that they designed it is still like you know i i can never do that so i don't yeah. i try not to backseat too much but you know how the fgc is everybody always talks yep. about what they hate about things or like why something doesn't look good which is why yeah. I, I always thought it was funny because people would always you know clown on nrs for like its animation and stuff like that yeah and mm -hmm. i was like i mean sure but that's ultimately that's it goes to the stylization versus the technology. You just don't yeah. like the style of their animation, but like it's still fluid and like uh, it looks good in a very specific way. Like it looks realistic. Yeah, it's choppy, um, but yeah, that's just the way it is. I personally love like when it comes to Street Fighter, like the Alpha series. I always liked the stylization mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the two D, but I'm. I also love like the EX series, like EX plus two, because it has all these like particle yeah. effects and like cool things. And, you know, like the the meteor attacks where like you like punch someone off the earth and then they fly and bounce <laughs> against the moon and then fly back into the earth and it explodes. Yep. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, it looks like weird or hokey compared to like Alpha 2's super serious, like anime grounded style, but like yeah. it still looks awesome. I actually, yeah, I actually liked a lot of the stuff in EX2 better than the way Street Fighter 4 did it back in the day. Um, okay. Because Street Fighter 4's style started something that Street Fighter 5 still has, which is this, like, inky look. Like, the paintbrush, um, uh -huh. pseudo-cell-shaded. Yeah. Sumie, Japanese Sumie is what has, I think is how it's inspired by it's all that, all the ink oh, okay. stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cats out of control, yeah. John. No, no, I can see that. Um, <laughs> no, what I was thinking of, like, so when I see Mortal Kombat, even now to this day, like, just the animations, like, the way that they jump and the movement and everything, right? It's still, like, harkens back to, like, the old Mortal Kombat game. So that's why, like, I just kind of look at it as, like, that's just the way that the, you know, they, like you said, they, they've chose to kind of animate or kind of have their game look. And, like, I don't really, like, you know, it's not my personal preference, like, watching that or, like, you know, I don't like the way that it looks, but it's just like I just look at it as well. It's kind of like a legacy thing. Like this is this is how they looked in Mortal Kombat One and Mortal Kombat Two. Like when they did front flips and they did sweeps or whatever. Like that's just the way that the characters look. That actually is worth noting too. Where like most a lot of fighting game series, I think they they had their initial art style and then they just kind of stuck with it, right? Um, yeah. Like Mortal Kombat, like like you said, the animations they have that reputation. I wonder, like, do they ever feel hamstrung to have to stick with that? Otherwise, people will be like, oh, it's not Mortal Kombat, right? That's oh, true. Um, I didn't even think about that. The other and thing I, is, like, you're talking about the... Oh, go ahead, John. Um, Like, 
I was thinking like as well with Tekken, uh, with the jump from the bespoke engine to the Unreal Engine, right? If physics and stuff are handled differently, there's a, a huge risk that it just wouldn't feel like Tekken, right? <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that. <laughs> so when Tekken 7 came out, um, there was a lot of gripes about like how it felt. Um, mm. And it was murky, but like some of it was because of design decisions, which is like they specifically said, like, you know, there was probably some, well, just imagine there was like a spreadsheet where it says your character moves X units when you sidestep. And they decreased that from like eight to far in Tekken 7. So like in Tekken Tag 2, if you sidestepped, you would step away from an attack. But in Tekken 7, it seemed like, oh, every time I step the same move, I get clipped and I get hit. So it's like, what? Um, so fast forward like seven years later, right? Because this is just people talking about the arcade version. And there are different changes like Tekken 7. If you look at Tekken 7 um, when it came out on the arcade, and that was like back in 2015 in Japan and then like 2017 in, in America, so on PC, especially if you look at the uh, like the Japanese for, or the arcade version, it's just a different game in a lot of ways. It looks so different. Tekken 7 has changed as far as like the, me the mechanics have updated. The graphics have actually gotten better. The UI and style choices have just improved. So like you can actually tell which version of Tekken you're looking at by looking at the life bars. So like when Tekken 7 Faded Retribution came out, which was an update for the arcade cabinets um, and consoles, the life bars changed colors, which I believe was to make it easier for those with color blindness to perceive like the life bars because it used to be orange and yellow, but now they're purple and light greenish, light bluish. Okay. Um, which, yeah. So, so basically the game has like just changed and evolved over time. Okay. One of the things that affected how things moved and felt was Unreal Engine has a lot of input lag by default. And if you'll, I don't know if you remember this, but um, Harada and Michael Murray did actually speak with um, the Epic Games team and tried to get them into Unreal Engine to implement a fix that would decrease the input latency by a little bit. And this might also have affected Street Fighter V because I believe it also had the same yep. issue. Um, eight so, frames yeah. of input lag is what that was the meme is eight frames, eight frames. Yep. And it was yeah. mainly due to, to the Unreal Engine. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, so like those things stack on top of each other, right? So there is that input lag and then there's maybe something in the PS4 or whatever console you're on. Um, so basically, yeah, like moving in Tekken 7 when it started felt not great. And it's sort of gotten like better as time's going on. And then people started realizing that the input lag of the PS4 itself was also part of it. So, cause when we got the PC version, you could turn off VSync for the first time. And VSync adds an extra input lag, uh, frame of input lag, if you know that. So there was that. And then if you follow Arturo, he also realizes that if you overclock, you know, like your USB polling rate, um, yeah. that also decreases the input lag. So like, now we're playing like optimal Tekken set, like the best possible version of the game on PC. And like, it actually feels pretty nice. Um, but there are still obviously 
differences in the way the game was designed that make it just feel different. And they had to change those because they can just take the data from the bespoke engine and port it directly to Unreal Engine. So uh, one thing we noticed when we started looking at frame uh, hitboxes is like the hitboxes of certain moves are just these weird curving lines. They're not straight lines like you would think of in Street Fighter a lot of the times. They kind of like do this. And some of them are obviously like hit circles. They're not boxes. We had that um, in Marvel 3, actually. We called them hit spheres instead of hit boxes because they were mm-hmm. like they were like cones or cylinders sometimes instead. And I think um, Smash also has that as well, where they're, they're hit spheres instead of boxes. Exactly. And those are all technical design decisions as to whether you use a hit box or a hit sphere. Um, but basically what happens is you can kind of get these weird angles because like in, in Marvel, even though the models are three-dimensional, they only ever move in these directions. But in Tekken, obviously there's a third dimension. So you can have glancing angles. So like the, the prototypical example is if someone does a left uppercut mm-hmm. and you try to step it, in old games, you could just step away from it. But in this game, between the moves, uh, hit spheres kind of coming out in this weird line and your character's hurt box maybe being a little bit bigger, that's another thing, is in this game, when you do certain actions, your hurt box changes shape without getting too complicated. And sometimes they'll just glance into each other and you'll get clipped and you're like, what the hell? Like, I thought I stepped that, <laughs> but you just, just doesn't work like that in this game, so... Okay. And and in the chat here on our stream, we have uh, Marty who says that the Tekken 7 characters have a hurt box cone sphere around them. So when we say hurt box, that means like the hittable area where if they, if something makes contact with them, then their life gets reduced or they get put and they get put in a combo or whatever. Um, but the hit boxes, which is the offensive part when you stick your limb out and you attack, uh, those are lines. So, so when we say lines though, like is it just then if those lines make contact with the model? Is it is, is it almost like a like a uh, like how you shoot a gun in a in a in a first person shooter where like you point at it and if it if that it, then the thing shoots a line and if that line makes contact with the model then you consider it a hit? Yeah, except they don't they don't go forever. They're but yeah, he's right. They they're they're line segments, like not infinite lines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because obviously, if I jab you and you're half screen away, even if you're holding forward, it's not going to hit you because it doesn't go the full screen. Some so. of my opponents in, in other games will tell me that my, my normals reach half screen. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's, so to be clear, though, when we, when we talk about lines as well for the technical folks, that's, as, are we get, do we get into like vector math and stuff? Yeah, like, it's a three-dimensional line. <laughs> that's why so like you can get a glancing angle of like it's not like you know it just goes like this it goes like this so sometimes and that's where time and space matters right so you know moves can have multiple active frames so in street fighter i think it just like you know kind of like turns red of like his fist right reuse crouching medium punch like if it's red in the thing it's active if it's blue it's not right in tekken when you actually look at the moves if you do a left hook, you'll see these lines, but like each line, what I think is a different frame. So like the starting line is frame one. And then if it's a multiple active frame move, the second line is frame two. And then some of them have this weird curve, <laughs> like Steve Fox, my character, 
-hmm. he uppercuts a lot and so his moves like curve in on each other so if for some reason you manage to move in a way that that last frame hits you then i would be extra plus because you hit like the lace the last active frame you know instead of if i hit you with the first one which is like the big dominant one like the initial thrust or whatever right um so yeah it's it's pretty complicated which is why like nerdy people like me like to think about those types of things like it interests me honestly but as a competitor it just pisses you off because you're like i did this move and it behaved a different way five different times in five <laughs> different situations yeah so you know the 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 concept of a hitbox and a hurt box is transferred pretty well into 2d uh, and for 2d games and we talked about how they're more spherical for 3d um and so what would it be like if the the like when you're say steve fox is going to do his jab and then you know that line sticks out you know what if the the hit detection was based on the 3d model instead of the uh instead of the hit the, the cone sphere hurt box thing that that's already been implemented what what's your opinion on that Oh, well, it would just open up a different can of worms because right now animation isn't strictly tied to the, the, the hurt boxes necessarily. They're aligned, but they're not like the same. But what you're talking about is basically in a 2D sense, it would be called like pixel perfect hit, hit uh, collision detection, where like if the pixel of like, we'll say Balrog's boxing glove touches Ryu's like the pixel of his shoe, then like he's, if he's not holding back, he's going to get hit. Right. Wait, Ryu doesn't and... shoes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Like if I do the low straight and you're not holding back, like I, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to hit that, that foot right there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be a similar thing in 3D games. It's just 3D animation is um, pretty complicated or yeah. it can get that way. So literally, like, if, and you got to understand, like, Tekken's animation system is is so, like, also very complex. Um, think of a character like Eddie Gordo. They oh. motion captured an actual, like, Capoeira uh, maestra, like, to yeah. do all the moves. Um, and you're constantly moving <laughs> in Capoeira. Yeah. Your yeah. Jenga is, like, your basic stance, and you're just moving. So it's already annoying enough in Tekken, the fact that if you wait two seconds after the round starts and Eddie's just standing there, you could jab and it might miss because he's not in the same place as when the round started, he moved <laughs> without pressing any buttons. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's crazy. I get you. And, you know, characters have sways and like Steve just naturally sways as he's standing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like, it would be cool, but it would also be super frustrating because then like you would be like, oh, well, why did his arm go like this this time? And then it missed um, because the animation's yeah. not necessarily going to be the same every time, you know? Right. So, yeah. So true. the for, like for Street Fighter 4, um, the initial implementation for Street Fighter 4 was a switch from 2D to 3D. Uh, ignoring the EXs because they were they wanted to do a, a 2D playing game but with 3D engine, and so they 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 did the, they did exactly what what we just described where they made the collision detection based on the models as opposed to hitboxes and and hurt boxes that are that traditional Street Fighters uh, ran on, and the 
<laughs> the feedback at the Loke test was this doesn't feel like Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, but the, the kicker though, is that it solved a lot of the problems that you hear about complained in the fighting games today, which is like, or at least for Street Fighter today, which is, Hey, I stuck out my low forward that, that medium kick, the foot clipped through the character's idle animation and it touched like Chun-Li's leg or something. How come, how come it didn't actually hit? And it's because it's not about the model. It's about the hitboxes instead. And I think yep. that that's yeah. an unfortunate side effect when you switch to these 3D games or 3D or 3D engine games, at least. And I'm curious for um, for the future, like if we settle on that as games get more and more and more realistic, if, if we just settle on the hurt box and hurt cone sphere and we never go back and never try the 3D model collision detection that's in shooters and whatnot. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting like question. And it goes back to what you were saying about like, well, does it does it feel like the game that I'm used to? And all yeah. these big fighting games are legacy, so it's it's hard to go back on that. Yeah. Similar to the Mortal Kombat thing. I'm actually curious. I wonder how Mortal Kombat does Mortal Kombat use cone spheres too? Or do they use hitboxes, hurt boxes? I don't I don't know. I don't know. Yet. I assume it's I assume it's hurt boxes and hitboxes, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the EX games because, like, I've re- you know recently seen that because uh, Smug's been playing those games. And <laughs> nice. I've seen those yeah, clips that he's had of playing. Those does he play? Um, does he play Jack? I'm just Cracker Jack. Uh, I'm not sure of the character. I just remember because yeah, just you talking about like the whole like knocking somebody like into the you know out of the earth kind of thing and coming back. <laughs> like, I was seeing stuff yeah. of that, and like for me, like I never got into the into the PlayStation era. Uh, I was into that like really late. Like I, did, I actually didn't get my my the, my PS one until like the year two thousand, and I think it came out with like ninety six, mm, something like that. Ninety eight, I think. EX two plus, but yeah, yeah ninety six is probably when the first one came out. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, just the PlayStation in general. But I didn't get it to like two thousand until I was like in the Philippines, and uh, I think we ended up getting like a bootleg one. And then they were just like, it was one of those things. I was just like. And they were like, yeah, you can pick like 50 games. And I'm like, huh? Because, you know, they're all bootlegs. So I was just like, okay. And I was like, I started looking at all this stuff. And I'm like, Street Fighter EX2? I was like, what's that? And I was like, I can pick that up. And, you know, I had no no idea about any of these games. And I just remember like loading them up for the first time. And I'm like, holy shit, what is going on in this game? And like, the, like you know, all the stuff that was going on, like you said, <laughs> the supers and stuff were just crazy, man. Uh, is, is there like overlap between street fighter ex players and tekken players like did like did people play those back then or did they mainly just stick um, with tekken? i wouldn't be surprised i think it's funny like if you look in certain circles people will like say or maybe you know if you looked at the reviews at the time from like game pro they'll say like the ex games were like subpar or like um a pale comparison of like the the other ones because they looked weird which like yeah they did polygon graphics were like kind of ugly back then but at the same time like it was just the style they had to go with but yeah when you actually play them they're like actual street fighter games they just have different mechanics and they're super yeah like so i think a lot of people that play other fighting games probably played ex especially around my age and stuff because that's what we had like i had a playstation and i had tekken which like I would play Tekken 3 a lot and that game looked amazing. And then like I could have played like Street Fighter Alpha 3 or I could have played Street Fighter EX. And like one of those looks way closer to Tekken. And then one is like for like if I was loved Street Fighter 2 and that stuff, like maybe Alpha 3 I would spend time with, which I did play a bit. 
but like yeah ex2 was just way more interesting um in a lot of ways so yeah i think a lot of there probably is a lot of overlap <laughs> i went to i went to evo this past summer and then they had a the byoc area was like for tournaments and stuff but then they also had like an arcade cabinet area where everybody just called yeah. in their their astro city cabs and stuff and there were a ton of different fighting games and all of the cabs with like the popular games were taken like third strike and the marvel games and tekken and whatnot but there was a lone ex2 cabinet that me and my buddy jumped on and neither of us had ever played ex2 before and he played blanca yeah. and i played chun and i did jumping roundhouse crouching roundhouse and another jumping roundhouse, another crouching roundhouse. And that's all I did because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but um, it did feel like Street Fighter after a while because I started figuring out how to do low forward Hadouken in a 3D space. And that was uh, kind of cool. Um, I don't think I'd ever really go back and try to play that game competitively. I don't think there's a scene for it. But um, there, there's, I mean, I know in there? the East the East Coast, they play it. Like, really? There's people that there's people that still play it, and then um, you got to understand, Arica made it. So like fighting EX Layer, like if you see any of the EX games, like EX Layer, those are mm -hmm. all similar systems. And you got to understand, like the reason it feels like Street Fighter is because Arica is from Street Fighter staff. Like they made Street Fighter Two, <laughs> so like that's why it was always funny when people were like, "This isn't Street Fighter," when like it's literally made from the people that made Street Fighter, like. <laughs> Arica and Capcom are just like uh, it's like the Spider-Man meme, you know, when they're like looking at each other. <laughs> they're just they're both devs, like you know, that worked on Street Fighter. So I hear that about the KOF uh, series too. That uh, like I think some of the Street Fighter One staff eventually left and uh, went to SNK and then and then started working on KOF. Um, mm. And then there was another cross pollination with Dimps. Uh, some of the they then from SNK uh, a bunch of people left SNK when when they exploded and they formed Dimps, which then Capcom contracted <laughs> out to Street Fighter Four, Street Fighter Four and Street Fighter Five. So oh okay, it's, I didn't it's know like that. a it's like a gentleman's club of fighting game developers here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small oh, world, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. I mean, speaking of Street Fighter, uh, I know another thing that you guys wanted to talk about was in terms of like the the sunsetting periods for. Uh, Street Fighter Five going to the six, and then also Tekken Seven, and then going to Tekken Eight. So, um, yeah, what did you want to touch on specifically with those uh, with that topic, John? It's a wide topic because, like, I'm a I, I'm a competitive Street Fighter Five player, and I don't really want to play Street Fighter Five because the new game's coming out. And so, like, <laughs> trying to trying to juggle that, and then also like stay excited about the content that's being created. Like, you have like Street Fighter League going on right now and, and ICFC is still going on for Tekken, like the, like the Tekken World Tour is going on, Capcom Cup is still going. But then just knowing that there's another game on the horizon, um, and especially because the two series that we're talking about here are in different phases where with Tekken, Tekken 8, you only can see, we've only got a trailer to work with, right? And so I'm yeah. curious about like, specifically for the Tekken scene, like how are you guys... Are you guys excited about Tekken 8? Are you, does, is it killing your motivation to play in Tekken 7 tournaments? Is it impacting it at all, really? Uh, yeah, it's funny you asked that. So you're right. We just have that trailer, and it looked amazing, right? Like The graphics are insane, which is like, that's a, a Tekken uh, uh, classic. Like it, it always just has to just look super cool. Um, yeah. And I think that really motivated a lot of people to be like, yeah, I can't wait. Um, 
but then they were like, all right, what do I do now? And they probably have stumbled upon like an ICFC or maybe saw a Twitch stream and got interested in it. I know specifically that it's sort of revitalizing a little bit some people's interest in Tekken 7 because Tekken specifically, it always gets like dragged through the mud for this, but it's like a legacy game. So mm -hmm. like me spending the last seven years of my life playing Tekken 7, I know some of that information is going to carry over to Tekken 8. Like it, yeah. just, it just will. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't make me unmotivated to play Tekken 7. I think the only thing that would, that really, the only thing that really unmotivated me and other people to play is just, you know, the pandemic. But that was yeah. like, fighting game why like the whole fgc yeah that's that. worldwide <laughs> any um, any hobby you feel unmotivated <laughs> yeah and i think it didn't help that tekken 7's netcode isn't the best um implementation yeah. it's actually to be fair it's one of the better tekken netcodes that there's there's been i think tekken tag 2 probably in some ways felt better um for different reasons and like you know maybe it's it does perform better like if you had a really good connection but like yeah tekken 7 i'm pretty sure at this point like it's been uh confirmed it, it does have a rollback implementation it's not the best you know it's not a cold mystics joint or whatever but yeah um it does have rollback it, it's funny like we know it has rollback because people love to you know post like twitter like 30 second clips out of context to something crazy happening and yeah. someone will post a Twitter clip of literally rollback happening. And they're like, what the heck is this? Like, is this this online broken? And they're like, no, that's that's literally what rollback looks like. Fix the net code, add yeah. rollback. All right, they'll be like, fix it. Right. But um, and also I think it was really smart. I don't I don't know if you guys follow this, but there was a recent system update to Tekken 7, which um kind of crazy this wasn't there in the beginning, but whatever. Um, now, when you start an online match with someone, it shows not only their bars, like four or five, whatever that means. Yeah. It shows the ping, uh, a round trip ping between you and your opponent, and it shows how many rollback frames are active in the match. Uh -huh. And like it can change, you know, depending on the quality. Yeah. So I think that's cool because it gives you a visual indicator of how crappy things are about to get. Because like if you're playing someone, <laughs> it, it can be really jarring when you're on a four a five bar and then all of a sudden like it starts feeling like you're underwater. You're like, well, yeah. what the hell? I thought we had a five, but then you notice your ping went up to 130 milliseconds. So yeah. someone like me, I can like at least reconcile it. Or there's some sort of evidence like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Instead of just being like, no, your your internet just sucks all of a sudden yeah which obviously if if the net code were like super duper good it wouldn't matter as much but i mean you can't overlook the the internet as a problem like it affects all of us right so yeah, yeah that's true i mean yeah, it's it's we're, we're all in different stages i guess or different kind of uh places in terms of like where we're at in the games like you for instance like you said like you're playing tekken 7 and like you're still competing you're still going to tournaments john was up to recently competing and then kind of doesn't want to and then me like i haven't been competing for the last few years other than you know con tournaments but you know those are whatever <laughs> so yeah, yeah to, like... be, to be fair i mainly stick to locals um and mm -hmm. i do play icfc every now and then but yeah like i have not traveled to a major in like two and a half three years so i'm going yeah. to kumite in tennessee this weekend uh nice. that's in tennessee 
Um, and yeah, so that'll be the first major I've been to in as long as I can remember. So it's going to be like, it's going to be fun because I've seen people like going and it looks like, you know, they've had a great time. I saw a bunch of people go to Evo. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, but at the same time, I don't, I don't have that like huge, um, rock in my stomach feeling back. Like I did when I was like traveling all the time and really trying to make a name for myself. Now I'm just kind of like, I'm more going to KIT to support um, Vandy, who runs it. Um, he okay. he, he kind of started that event around when Tekken 7 came out. And I've always wanted to go, but I just never could. And then this year is the last one they're doing. Actually, this year, last year was supposed to be the last one. But uh-huh. he, they they took pity on us because of the pandemic. And we're like, you know what? We'll we'll give you guys one more chance. So, uh-huh. so yeah, I'm just going to yeah have a good time and play in a freaking tournament, like a big one for the first time in a while. Yeah, that's a. I could tell you like I've I've gotten to play in two big tournaments uh, since the pandemic uh, began, and it's been each one has just been like a a, a very a, an awesome experience and something that I'm going to remember for a very long time. I think I I got extremely like I got better just going to those events, and I think that's just a that's a common thing for any FGC uh, player is just if you go to any kind of offline major. Um, you're gonna get better just implicitly uh, by by playing new people, by seeing matchups that you don't ordinarily see, get by putting yourself in a different environment and adapting in there. You know, I, I did want to mention so like the the pandemic and the sunsetting period. It's actually hilarious. Like it's it's crazy. So like Tekken Seven's been out for like seven years now. Um, yeah, long time. Yeah, and I remember aside from how the games changed, like how I've changed as a player. And not just my gameplay, like what I do differently. I definitely play the game differently than I did back when it started. Yeah. But the fact that I started playing Tekken 7 on a Mad Cats Korean edition stick back when Mad Cats still made sticks, right? Right. And um, then I switched to an Etoki Omni during my like playing the game because I was like, you know what? It's time to like level up to the big boy korean tekken stick which is hilarious because i don't play mishimas and you would generally do that to get to play mishimas but i didn't know that i just want a korean stick (laughs) and and then ironically i actually have two of those but they both or sorry one of them broke in a really weird way while i was playing like it was right after the the 10 v 10 and i was trying to fix it but it was like broken in a way that I couldn't really fix effectively. And I had just gotten to the end of my rope of like modifying my stick and trying to fix it. Like I was just so tired of buying new, like new parts and stuff and like screws being loose. And like when I was younger, like, oh, that was so cool. Like I can replace my grommet and change the tension and yeah. change the, my buttons. This time when it broke, I just said, screw it. And now I play on hitbox. <laughs> because there's nothing to there's nothing to change it's just it's basically a controller but it's like the best version of a controller so like now i've went from like playing on this stick to this stick to like i play on stickless now and i use cheat box and it's honestly (laughs) just because it's more convenient like yes it's the best controller but like i i feel like i enjoy traveling with it you know what i mean like traveling with the itoki omni if you've ever held one like it's just a huge metal box it's made of like yeah like 
I don't know, steel or something. It is heavy. <laughs> it is heavy. And like the fact that I can put like the hitbox on my lap and like it's got the anti-slip material under it, but um, it's it doesn't weigh anything. I just put it in my little bag and I just carry it with me. So that alone has made me like enjoy going to uh, <laughs> events way more because it's just like, you know, it's like a literal weight off of my shoulders. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the other yeah. benefits is like you're, you're you're talking about the differences in the spring in the in the sticks, right? And uh, a lot of the players that I've played with over the years put a lot of emphasis on spring tension, and so anytime they had a custom spring tension, and they couldn't use anybody other stick, anybody else's stick, any other stick whatsoever. Um, yeah. And then for a hitbox though, like I could borrow yours, uh, Stephen, and then I'll like. We'll, it'll be fine because they're right. it's just an obsf 24 <laughs> button is an obsf 24 button or whatever the yeah. korean nickel one is yeah that's uh, a funny that's a funny thing that you mentioned john because i remember initially like when when sticks were you know becoming more more mainstream with the mad cat stuff it was like you know i remember the rationale was like well i want to play on stick because if i ever go to japan or if i ever you know go to somebody's arcade like you know i can ah. play over there no problem right yep. and, like, if you were on a hitbox it was like well, how am I going to play on stick if I have my hitbox? And now, you know, that arcade, you know, arcades kind of, you know, aren't really here anymore. You know, if you go to Japan, yeah, you'll have to do that. But I mean, you know, that's a that's an interesting thing that you that you put out there because I remember that was something that you, I think you said years ago we had talked about something like yeah, that. yeah, like the, the like, spring. Yeah. it was part of like to me it was actually like part of fitting in because I was like I need to mod the spring so that way I can have a custom stick like everybody else has a custom stick. I mean, Rosane had a big ass like. A half stick and then uh, a bunch of people had modded so the mad cats te sticks and some people had modded the se sticks and so everybody had their own custom goddamn thing some people did octo gates instead of square gates you know yeah, yep. yeah the, i saw a meme recently where it was just like uh put an octo gate in your stick that way if somebody wants to borrow it you'll be like hey i got an octo gate you know like they're not gonna touch it <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah so it's just like it's funny it's kind of it's kind of funny how like it, it came all full circle it did in terms it of like yeah because like it, it's true because like yeah if, if you play on hitbox he plays on hitbox like if i'm like oh my hitbox doesn't work i can play on that other one no problem i don't gotta worry about spring tension you know maybe if you have some of those like mechanical keys or something like that i'll be like oh what are these but <laughs> right. you know, for the most part the layouts and stuff like that i could i could still get used to that so I think traditionally on every podcast episode, we always go into the hitbox debate. I think I'm pretty passionate about it. Benny's pretty passionate about it. <laughs> but to get back on the topic of the sunsetting period, like your 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 point, uh, Stephen, was that like your your tastes had changed over the course of these seven years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think w- w- that's one of the beautiful parts about the sunset period of a fighting game is that you get a chance to kind of like like look at look at the game in a time capsule and kind of reflect on how you changed and how your life changed as the as the game grew i guess um particularly because these most recent games have lasted for a long time um even street fighter 4 though like that's something that all three of us have played and so like you know the 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 gap between ultra and when they announced five like how how are you guys in my opinion too short (laughs) and i think i've spoken to you this about this before but at the last Capcom Cup, which I was at, um, mm-hmm. it was like super cool to me, right? I'm just like watching Ultra, and you know, there was the game had its issues. There was Elena healing, and like everybody was memeing on that. And I think I don't know if you guys, yeah, there was just people playing like characters that people didn't like. But I thought like you know, DiCaprio was awesome. Um, I liked all the new things they added, but basically. 
when I saw the demo for Street Fighter V, like at that Capcom Cup, I was like, oh, that's cool. But I hope it doesn't come out like anytime soon because <laughs> I think like this game just needed a little bit more time. I know other people will disagree, but I was just like, Ultra to me was a different game than like the other ones, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to see like, another year or two of that um and then i also from the the development perspective in my head i was like i don't know maybe it was what i saw in the demo but i was like i think this game needs a little bit more time in the oven you know like it it looks interesting but i just want it to be yeah like all done when it comes out and it it wasn't so yeah yeah for me like i don't know with for this because this is a completely different art going from five to six for me because i haven't i haven't been regularly playing or competing since i don't know season season two season three whereas with four like i was playing through ultra like i really had a had a love for that game and you know playing honda and my character i was actually ready to kind of move on from that just because of all the nerfs that he had gotten over the years like i was just oh. at the point that we're like like I love, you know, I love the game, and like I got very fond memories of it, you know, because of you know entering the FGC and all this stuff. But in terms of like my character, it's like he just continually got worse and worse through every iteration, and it was just like you know. Then I had to start dealing with new new BS, whether it was like you said Elena or whether it was Yun and and all this other stuff. Like as you know, as all the as the game expanded, like my character just got progressively worse, and I was just like you know, I felt like I was fighting a, a uphill battle, and like in a lot of ways, like I felt that's kind of why. I stuck with being kind of a character specialist because I felt like my all the years that I had put in, like that was more important than to me to say, hey, let me go switch to DiCaprio or switch to somebody else that's whatever top tier at the time. Cause it's just like I felt comfortable with like what my character was, you know, or what I could do with my character versus like trying to learn somebody new. Mm-hmm. I had a bit of, a bit of a different um perspective from Tekken. Um I feel like, well, I feel like Steve Fox definitely has been nerfed over time and he's still a great character. Um, but like when you go from being like right under top tier to like, mm-hmm. or I don't even want to say right under top tier. I mean like right under the best characters, like, like yeah. the moment Akuma came out, he was pretty much the best character. People just didn't realize it. Yeah. But then there was always like, you know, the Mishimas were really good. So like in, in a typical like Tekken tier list, the Mishimas tend to be high for just various reasons but like steve would always be around there because he's a natural counter to that style in a similar way that balrog is a natural counter to shoto's Mm -hmm. um traditionally so he's always just like up there steve was like that but um he was also just designed super well like in tekken 7 system he had a lot of ways to like abuse the mechanics and stuff um and he just had a really good move um in the beginning and yeah, he was just designed really strong in this game. So, but as time's gone on, and then they a they added more DLC characters, and like every DLC character is designed for Tekken Seven. So they use the mecha- they all abuse the mechanics, and they're great. So Steve naturally got pushed down, and then they actually nerfed him, and they took out a lot of his like really strong stuff um, from season one and two. And then later on, they kind of did like smaller nerfs here and there, but it like all added up to this like bell curve where like everybody used to be like, oh, Steve, like easy top five, like top, you know, yeah, everybody, top five, top eight character. Mm-hmm. Whereas like now, like you could argue that he's up there, but there's just so many characters that are just clearly stronger in a lot of ways to where he's still scary, but like, A, you have to play him really 
perfectly to to be like that and it's so so it's like okay well i could work really hard to get here or i could pick this character that already has these skills and then try to take it up to the next level right and that's sort of why i switched or i added a secondary later on in the game i started playing claudio when i picked up hitbox um that's because he's idea. simple to use he's simple to use and he gave me a different window into the game and honestly that made me enjoy tekken so much more like relearning the game with the knowledge that i already have and just mm. accepting the fact that like my execution is going to be kind of trash for a while on hitbox but the end goal is going to be worth it and the same thing with like learning a new character like yeah i'm going to get hit by stuff that i don't really get hit by but i get a hop kick like steve's never had that and Claudio has one of the best hop kicks in the game and a bunch of other cheap mm -hmm. stuff. But it like puts a smile on my face when I pick up the character now. Cause I'm like, imagine Benny, you were playing Honda and then you had a secondary of Sagat or like <laughs> vanilla Akuma or something, right? Where like yeah. you understand the strengths of that character because you've been pitted against it so much yeah. that Anytime you're just like, wow, this this tool is so cheap. If I had it and then this situation happened, I would do this. And that's exactly what I do with Claudio. Because people, like, when they play Steve, they know what he can do. And since he doesn't have that hop kick, they can sort of, like, pester him a lot. But if you try to do that yeah. when I'm playing Claudio, like, I'll just hop kick you and do, like, half your health, right? <laughs> and you, it's so crazy. Do yeah. you do you tend to pick your alt because you want to do that thing specifically and just be like, I'm tired of people doing this one thing to me. I'm going to find a character that can that can counter it specifically That's that part thing. of it. Yeah, yeah because yeah. so so shout outs to VMGF like who was my training partner and my my rival like when he still he was here in Arizona. He played um Claudio and I'll never forget he won this tournament. It was a uh, Super Ascension. Uh, in like Gilbert and I was talking to him the day of uh, like he beat me in grand finals and he was just like yeah I found some cheap stuff because Claudio had gotten a buff like it was like season 2.5 or something Claudio got a buff and he's like yeah this stuff looks pretty good and I was like oh okay and I was like watching him and I was like wow like he can just do this move and then I played him and I'm like holy crap he can just do this move <laughs> and you have to deal with it and like it just got on my nerves. I would always talk trash about it and stuff. Like, yeah. but it, it was like it, I loved it because I was like, man, he figured that out that fast. And so when I like picked up the character and I started using that, I was like, you guys just forgot. Like it's still there. They didn't nerf him. They made him better. Yeah. Like it's it's crazy, you know, talking about that when the character. There's so many characters in the cast that everybody has cheap stuff. But like it's fun when you get a little bit of that for yourself, you know. So yeah. It seems like that's another strategy for for kind of powering through the sunset period, which is like take the game and 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 then try to look at it from a different lens. Where where whether yeah. that's a style change or a um, uh, uh, just picking a new character, but you're also dealing with the culmination of the developer's balance changes, right? And yeah. so you have this like like at least for the most recent games, you know they with DLC and new characters getting added, you have almost like a complexity creep over time. Like as you add more characters, you have to learn more matchups. And so your, your initial character may not have the tools for those matchups anymore. Yeah. Like suddenly they added armor to the game or something mm. like that. Right. Um, yeah. And so I can see Honda who has uh, quite frankly, a limited tool set uh, eventually just falling to complexity creep. Um, yeah. It doesn't have a dive kick. What a, yeah, and <laughs> guess, guess, who, guess who won Capcom Cup for Ultra? It wasn't Elena, it was Yun. <laughs> <laughs>
And yeah. so that's I mean, another. Yeah, oh, go go ahead, Denny. Sorry. Uh, no, I was gonna say yeah. That that, that you know, um, I was just gonna say like, now I kind of find myself in that kind of like character crisis because like, I did try to pick up Street Fighter Five again a few years later, mm-hmm. and. John can attest to this because we played games. I, I started playing Ed because I, I started playing Honda first, and then I was just like, "Yeah, he's cool, but like, he's not. It doesn't feel the same, right?" So I started to play Ed, and then like, um, it kind of goes to what you were talking about, Steve, of just kind of having new tools and other things because, like, you know, I was so used to just pestering people with with Dalsim and doing stuff like that, and then all of a sudden it's just like, I had uh, what is what is Ed's? Is it Flicker the hands? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I got Flickr and like, you know, I, 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 was, I was able to play on like Honda and 4, like, because that was basically safe. And I was just like, oh, I can just pester people with this, this stupid <laughs> punching thing. And like, people would get hit by like the stray hits from it. And I'm just like, this is kind of dumb. But like, you know, he wasn't like a OP character, but it was like, it did open my eyes to kind of like, oh, well, now I got something else to play or I got, you know, I got a different kind of, kind of tool set to work with to, you know, to go with the knowledge that I had of the game. So like, um, after playing six and like the beta, like, you know, I was, I'm really kind of hyped for that, but then like, yeah, I do kind of have a character crisis cause all three of those characters are supposedly supposed to be in launch. So I'm just like, yeah. between Sim and Honda and Ed and then Guile, <laughs> Guile was really good. And I'm just like, I, I don't know, maybe for the first time I'm, I might play two characters to start. So that's actually something that I'm doing to prepare for six during my sunset period for street fighter five is, and, and to be clear, when I say sunset period for five, I actually meant for this entire year. And possibly even last year, too, because we all knew that, like, this game was done, right? And so what I've done is gone back and learned other Street Fighters to kind of crystallize, like, what I like in a character and what I like in a video game, really. And so I think that, like, the idea of, like, so, like, Steven, what you're talking about with Claudio and and, and Steve Fox, it's like, all right, so... I know how I want to play. I want to play a Shoto counter or a Mishima counter, right? And then from there, I'm going to kind of play outside of my style and then see what I can incorporate from that into my style for the new game that's coming out eventually. And then you may end up with somebody besides Steve Fox or Claudio in Tekken 8, right? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I'm pretty confident Claudio is going to come back because he's just like a great, like simple starter character. Okay. And he, I don't think he was like too divisive or anything. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping he does because it'll be like a great way to just get started and just start kicking butt. Whereas like, I'm sure I'll mess with Steve, but you know, after the balance patches in this game, I can't be sure that like Steve Fox and Tekken 8, they're going to like nerf something crazy on him so that he plays different. And I'll have to like learn that style. Um, but yeah, it's more of like, I'll definitely be on the lookout for characters that require less input for more output. Not to say that they're mm. easy to play because every character is like hard to, to win with, <laughs> but like it's more of like an execution thing. Like it yeah. was funny. I was talking to my friend and I was like playing him and I did like a combo on him with Steve and I was explaining to him, I was like, they nerfed like this character, but he can still do this much damage. But it's similar to like a Kuma like stuff in Street Fighter where like everything that I'm doing here, like these are all like just frames and they're all easy to miss. So like, you know, I don't know if that makes it fair from a balance perspective, but like the people that would complain about those types of things, they can complain all they want, but like they also can't do these combos. Like they're really hard (laughs) and I'm doing them on hitbox and I'm like, I can still drop this on hitbox because what I realized is steve's like the difficulty in the combos isn't in like dexterity all the time it's just timing and since 
when you play on console versus PC versus your friend's monitor versus yours, like all of those variables will just screw up your timing. So that's why like, you know, I, I kind of watch like a smug idiot when I'm watching like a tournament and you see like me or like the best Tekken players in the world that play Steve. Cause like me will sometimes counterpick Steve, right? He'll drop the same combo that I drop. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> it's just hard. It's just that hard to do consistently. Um, so yeah, it's just like, I could try to do that and it'd be cool if I hit it against someone or I could do this other combo with Claudio. That's not that hard and yeah. still do the same amount of damage. You know, so. yeah, I say I came to that same conclusion throughout my fighting game career where I'm like, I started with highly technical characters and now I'm playing fucking Ken. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, it's funny. Cause like we've, yeah, I think we talked about that previously. Like uh, Zane mentioned something in, in our group chat about the Benny method. And I was like, what do you mean? What's the Benny method? And it was a matter of picking a character that's not like too complex so that you can learn the game engine more than you can kind of learn, you know, have to learn the intricacies of the character and the game engine at the same time. Yeah. And like, I don't know, that's for me, that's, that's just kind of always kind of what I've, what I've kind of gravitated to other than, than Dalsum, I guess. But, you know, when it was like Honda or other characters or charge characters in general, like, you know, Guile back in Street Fighter 2, it was like, he's got two moves and anti-airs, right? Or, or normals, right? And that's it. And like, it's a real kind of like basic way of kind of, just learning the game so it's just like that you know i've just always kind of gravitated to those characters and and that kind of uh that kind of mentality when i find when i when i play games yeah i call it the burden of options right where it's like the simpler you go the the more you're going to be able to create that environment benny like um yeah. uh, like a lot of the mix-up characters that i used to play like it would be you know i have 10 options with viper or ibuki and i can be like all right well i gotta pick I got to pick the right one out of the 10 ones and it's nice to have all 10 so I can cover all these different scenarios. But what yeah. if I could just headbutt instead? And then, I, <laughs> then I can focus on playing my opponent. I'm not even trying to be demeaning or anything. It's literally like, hey, yeah. why, exactly. why, why blow up your mental stack? Like here, like why increase the volatility? That's ultimately what we're talking about here is that we, yeah. we have these characters that we like, but the risk of dropping a combo, the risk of picking the wrong option because you have too many options, it creates this volatility and yeah. Over time, I think as we've grown accustomed to these games, this is like seven year lifespan, we're like, I know enough about this game and how volatile it can be. I know I want to try to actually find ways to simplify my game plan, whether that's adding new, adding like playing a character with more health or with less options, yeah. but more powerful options, you know, mm -hmm. what, yeah, what if I have, so. what if I have an option that beats five things as opposed to five options that beat one thing a piece? I think I'd rather <laughs> pick the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then the other thing I was gonna mention was in terms of like the playstyles. Like I find that uh, you're talking about like incorporating your playstyle, and it like it. I find it the the funniest thing like when when we chat about like when we play is you say you always comment on how defensive I play, and yet like I I don't know if that's just maybe over the years I've become a more defensive player because early on like I was kind of just you know my friend would be like is your is your stick stuck in jump forward. <laughs> It's <laughs> like I'm always going in and like getting anti-air, you know, getting blown up by simple stuff. And he's just like, why do you keep jumping? And I'm just like, I don't know. It's just like, that's just how I want to play. But then like when I play you now, like you're just like, oh, like, oh, you're always in your shell. You're, you know, you're, you're very defensive. Oh, I got to open you up now. And I'm like, really? I was just like, I just never saw myself as that kind of player. So I don't know if I've just evolved that way over time or what. It could be it could be just changing characters, right? And like playing Dalsum yeah. and for for the entirety of Street Fighter Five just made you a defensive player by default, right? And so like that's yeah. 
I think that's another value of, of being at the sunset period and being like, I'm going to switch a different to a different character because I can force a different style and then take that style into Tekken 8 or Street Fighter 6, right? You, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Benny, because it actually reminded me. And when you were talking about Obuki, John, yeah, <clears throat> obviously, you know, you guys know I started playing Street Fighter 4, honestly, when I moved out here and I was playing Balrog because yeah. I learned, well, I just played him in old games, but Basically, long story short, the reason I played Balrog is because when I was in Rochester in college and Street Fighter 4 came out, um, one of my classmates or one of my compatriots taught me like how to do his combos, like mm-hmm. head button and ultra and stuff. So that was just my character. So that's why I played like when I came out here. But if you'll remember, at the end of Street Fighter 4, <laughs> John knows, I switched to Rose. Fuck that character. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> like, yeah, she was pretty cheap um, in a lot of ways, but. I liked her from Alpha, honestly. Like, that's why I picked her. But then, um, you know, when the Ultra 2s were invented and stuff, and I started seeing all the crazy, like, setups. And by that time, I had realized that Street Fighter 4 is a set play game. So I was like, well, Borog is always in front of you or behind you. So, like, or sorry, he's always in front of you. <laughs> he can't mm. cross you up. Yeah. Um, outside of, like, one really stupid situation. But anyway... <laughs> I was just like, well, let me try this mix-up stuff because, like, I'm just trying to play straight up, and then when I get knocked down, mm-hmm. I get Vortex. So I was like, how about I Vortex you guys? Stupid <laughs> <laughs> Ultra. And so, like, yeah, like, Rose was super fun, and I started finding out really cheap setups with her towards the end of the game, like how to make, like, Soul Spiral, like, safer. Because I learned, like, you know, if you hit it, like, super late in the frames, yeah. <laughs> it, like, pushes you away. And so, like, people like, oh, I can, like, throw out a button and it just whiffs and he sweeps you like that was so fun. <laughs> yeah that was that was great i remember oh, in that man. era i was doing the same thing i switched to yun to try something different and not yeah, like hardcore you. vortex <laughs> <mix-ups>. yeah, <screw> <laughs> but fucking rose beat yun and so i'm like oh man did she really though i think so i think so that stupid anti-air, the wake-up, the backdash. The backdash blew up most of my dive peak setups. You could just oh. OS into Yoho, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, you could. I guess you could. <laughs> See? Don't you downplay Yun. One of them did win Capcom Cup, yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah, yeah. so that at the end of the game, you know, you you figured out what the meta is. You mentioned with Street Fighter Four, at that point, the game had been figured out, and that Vortex was strong, and that wasn't going to change. Actually, for Ultra, then it turned into burst damage being strong, and that's why Yun ended up being strong, right? Um, yeah. And I think that is there anything in Tekken Seven in particular where you're like, this is really strong currently in this season, and that's something that's been built up over time, and this is what the game is uh, overall, and I'm gonna like pick the thing that takes advantage of that. Are you finding that scenario happening often? Um, I think Tekken 7, in general, what's gotten stronger is the character archetypes. Um, so, like, at the beginning, there were no, like, DLC characters. Um, so, aside from Akuma, which people didn't realize he was cheap, but, like, if you've ever... It's based off of Street Fighter 4 Akuma, so, like, obviously he's busted. Um <laughs> But, like, people didn't realize that back then. Um, so you just had, like, you know, Mishima's. Um, like, for example, like, when Tekken comes out, people always say, like, Paul is cheap. Because you can dash out <laughs> to uh, Demo Man where he, like, sweeps your legs and then, like, hits you with the elbow. And then he does this and it, like, does a bajillion damage. But, like, that's a, such a... It's not like a low level technique. But, like, in order to do that, you have to be right in your opponent's face. Like, it literally doesn't work unless you're, like kissing your opponent you have to be that close 
So like that just meant yeah. people didn't know how to backdash out of that situation back then. That's like a, a mechanical thing. But like now everyone's like backdashes are immaculate. Like you cannot get close to people <laughs> without risking taking damage. And then it, you got to like slowly work them to the back of the state, like to the wall, you know? So like people don't play pole anymore. Um, basically the only way for him to open you up is to use like this really pretty slow low that doesn't do that much damage. And if it gets blocked, it hurts. So over time, people move from like those because Paul was like a 50-50 character. And he does he does a lot of damage, but like now people play him to, to do punishment. But I guess that's that's the thing is Tekken used to just more or less be about punishment, whiffs and block punishment. Mm-hmm. But in Tekken 7, the offensive meta has definitely grown to where you wanna the best defense is a good offense. Obviously, you don't want to whiff. You never want to whiff in Tekken, and you don't want them to block something that's like a, a unsafe move that they can launch you for. But otherwise, you want to keep your opponent either guessing when you're going to attack or just blocking stuff because there are a lot of moves that are plus on block, and there are a lot of moves that are so quick that you can't react to them. Um, so the only defense to that is to try to make space and to move. But in doing that, you're giving your opponent more openings and like you get characters like um for example um one is marduk the other was uh what's his face fakumram so marduk punishes you for moving away because he gets a valley tuto like tackle attempt where he just he runs at you think of like um honda headbutt but instead of like just you blocking it like he tries to tackle you and you have to break it like it's a throw Oh, and if you don't, then you get put into this mini game, which is literally a 50 50. Um, and again, like that's an offensive thing. Like the Marduk player doesn't have, like, you can't like break the throw and then punch Marduk and get damage. He, you just get up and you don't get hurt. That's the best possible situation. So by playing defensively, you give him more openings for that. Right. Another one would be Fakumram when he first came out. He has guard breaks, which is something that's really new in Tekken. To where he'll charge a move. It's like a focus. He pretty much has focus attack level three, but it's not like. But it comes out in the level one point five timing. Like, <laughs> you know the the one where if you get if you press a button into it, you get counter hit. Then it crumples. Yep. It's that speed, but it breaks your guard. And then if he does it at the wall, it wall splats you. So it basically, becomes a launcher. Like you get a full combo from. That's it. drive impact. <laughs> that's just yeah, straight up drive impact six six just stole that from Bakarov. okay i see how it yeah. is what, what's new um <laughs> but no so he can do it out of a lot of different attack strings so you can't always know when it's coming is the problem like drive impact right. from what i've seen it's pretty much like the big shiny button like you see it right like it, it it's flashy like you see it's happening right sure and maybe it's hard to react to, but it's like a singular thing, which maybe that makes it harder to react to. I don't know. I haven't played six. But but Fakumram, all of his guard breaks come out of strings where he has an option where if he doesn't do the guard break and you try to interrupt it, it will clip you and then he wall splats you anyway. So like that was a lot of his game plan is you're like, well, I'm defending and I'm losing because I'm defending too much. So so that is to say, and then there's also freaking Akuma and Geese where like Akuma literally will vortex you to death if you're not careful. He right. His sweep and his um, some of his like long, his mid options are the same speed. So like they're literal 50-50s. You can't really fuzzy guard them. 
and they reach like the, the sweep reaches relatively far. So if the Akuma smells you're being defensive, they're going to just destroy your legs. And every time you get swept, you can tech roll and Tekken, but like he can still set up a pseudo vortex. And if you're not fast enough in your defense, he can get into crouching medium kick range. So, in Street Fighter. So it and seems like problems. then, from if, to make sure I completely understand this here, it, like the way the Tekken 7's meta has evolved throughout its lifespan has kind of moved more towards, uh, like neutral was always a thing, like as, as you mentioned with whiff punishing and blocking and, and uh, unsafe punishes and whatnot. But uh, the ability to skip neutral and force situations that create 50-50s. It's not, it's not the actual act of the 50-50 like with Paul, but more like if I have some kind of mobility option that's going to create a situation where this guy just has to deal with it, that's, that's, the, that's what's strong in Tekken 7. Mm -hmm. And that's probably what people are going to gravitate to immediately in Tekken 8, right? Just because that's... If that's still there, yeah. So yeah. one of the new mechanics they added in the latest patch is a wall stun. Uh, we just call it new tactics because it's just a new thing that they added randomly. Basically, yeah. if your back is to the wall, so just like how Fakumram had a guard break where if you block certain moves, literally you just get like comboed at the wall, they sort of toned it down and gave it to everyone in that if you get hit by certain moves at the wall or block certain moves at the wall, and I'll get into this in a second, you get put into a stun, but you're allowed to block, but you're at heavy disadvantage. I'm talking like you basically just got up from getting knocked down in Street Fighter terms, like real mm -hmm. bad. And you're still with your back to the wall. So like you're minus a billion and you can't backdash anymore after these moves. And right. they just put that in at the end of the game. So like, no, they want you to deal with the offense. And the funny thing is uh, Steve's is bad and Claudio's is good. The reason Steve's is bad is because they took a move, the, the way they implemented it is, they took moves that characters already had and gave it the property, and it changes the move. Got it. The reason yeah. Steve's is bad is because his used to be an actual launcher in situations, like it would lead to a full combo before they added the new technique. Now that it's the new technique, if you get hit by it, the default animation changed. Instead of being in a state where you can get comboed, it puts you in a state where you're just at disadvantage. Which Wait, you can't that's a get. nerf then. It literally is a nerf. <laughs> and I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it when it first came out, but I was like, wait, I'm giving up damage for frame advantage, but I already had like enough frame advantage to do a combo. So I found that really funny. But guess what Claudio's is? Hmm. It's literally one of his main moves. Claudio does a Superman punch, you know, like Clark Kent. He just flies at you. Um, and it's just a high move. And he's had this since the beginning of the game. And he was always plus, like very plus on block. But now they said, you know, it'd be a good idea if they block this and their back is to the wall, let's make him even more plus. So now when I do that move and your back is to the wall, you're in a terrible situation, like really bad. And I can just keep looping it until you were like, you know what, let me duck this high. But then you ducked and your back is to the wall and you get launched. Uh, <laughs> so that's another way of like two different characters getting treated differently by the mechanics. Yeah, but it's yeah. but and the, the stronger one being the one that creates the situations where you just got to deal with it now. <laughs> it just made it better. It yeah. just took a good situation and made it better. Whereas yeah. Steve's, they changed it, and I think they changed it for the worse. Got it. Well, uh, for our our game for today, we usually do a game at the end of every episode, and um, I I believe our game this time is going to be a tier list for Arizona Tekken, and that's going to be a very yeah. 
a very yeah, uh, I say, contentious battle, well, I, right? The, the way I want you to do it, also because we are kind of cutting it close on time, mm-hmm. I want you to do this quick, just because like I just want to know like right off the top of your head, you can put yourself at the top, or you can choose to ex- exclude yourself if you want. We'll see. I'll see what you what you want to do, but I want to know. I don't know. Do I want to do like a ten? Do a ten? Oh, I, I'll break, let's break them up kind of like into just like. Um, you know, like a normal tier list, like S tier, A tier, that kind of thing. So, for you, like your A tier players in in the Tekken scene in Arizona, like that way you don't have to rank people specifically, right? Like you don't have to put one, two, three, whatever. Who would you put in that top tier? Who's B tier and C tier? And we'll go till you get to ten. Okay, so yeah, just all right. So, um, I guess I'll go with like S first, or that sounds. Yeah, we could go. I'll do, I'll do A first. Oh, S tier sounds so pretentious. We're calling it S. Okay, the S tier in Arizona. It's gonna be starting with the active players. It's myself, Sean, dude, and then I guess trying to think of like who actively um and yeah so of like the people that still play mm-hmm. in tournaments yeah because yeah you that's and the thing, is, like, people don't like yeah play that much um yeah and then non-active players that like come every now and again uh kane still an s-tier player um uh project runaway um Uh, conscripts. I think he still is in Arizona, so like he's super good. And, yeah. So yeah, I think that's it. People that like live in Arizona. Um, okay. That that play most of the time. And then A, I would be. Um, <clears throat> so I have Thunder, Thunderpants. Um, um, Machete is super good, but he he just. <laughs> He's literally in like Japan right now. Like he's always not in town. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, Swagoo, um, Sepulvedigen. Um, I would say Umberwitch. She doesn't really play much anymore. Um, so what is that like nine? And I just did two tiers. Hey, you're almost at like ten. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's really weird because it's just like. Not that many people really play like that anymore. Um, and then I guess B would be like, you know, actually, uh, what's this? I would also say um, Alan is, is probably A2. And then okay. after that, yeah, it would be like um, Beanie Stugitz, um, uh, Beaver, um, CJ. Um, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a couple more up and coming players, but I think like those are some of the better ones. Oh yeah, well I guess yeah. There's also the people that were in the ten v ten, but some of those were up and comers too. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I mean, yeah. You named eleven. Yeah, you named eleven in the S and A tier. So. I guess that'll be enough to kind of see, like, hey, how come I'm not up there? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure somebody will be like, you, I beat that's... you last week. And I'll be like, I, 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 I this game so that's... much. God, like, 
But yeah, not that I'm quick, trying though, to stir up drama or anything. <laughs> we do know that there's a tier above S, and that's SS. And we 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 do know that Lupe Fiasco and uh, Waka Flocka Flame <laughs> occupy that tier. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, oh man, that's too good. <laughs> well, very cool. Thanks for being on, Steve. It was a good good yeah. talking to you again, man. Thanks for having me, John and Benny. Yeah, it was a uh, fun nerding out on on Tekken and all the different games. So yeah, appreciate it. Any shout outs? Uh, for sure. Um, so shout outs to obviously the the AZ Tekken scene in in Phoenix and Tucson. Uh, Phoenix guys are the ones that I play with all the time. Yeah. So like they keep me in practice. Um, the newer players, especially like maybe I didn't rank some of you guys on the thing, but it's just because, you know, you guys don't haven't like gotten to that level yet, but I know there's a lot of hunger for a lot of the players. So shout outs to them. They, they are also the ones that kept me playing, honestly, because they just wanted to get better and, you know, beat Tucson and this, that, and the other. So I was like, okay, well, see if you can beat me first and then get to to them. And a lot of them have leveled up. So, that's awesome. Um, shout out to all the TOs that have been running events. Like, it's crazy how many events we have in Phoenix. There's literally two this weekend. There's one right now, which I said I couldn't go to. There's one in Mesa. So shout outs to um, Russell for, for doing that. Actually, yeah, real quick. If, if I wanted to learn how to play Tekken and get into the Arizona scene, what what would you recommend I do? Would you go, go casuals or, or tournament? Like, how, like where, I, where would I go? How you oh yeah, you should definitely go to casuals. Um, so there's a there's a bunch of discords and and groups out there. So you can always start at home um, if you have it on PC or PS4. But yeah, like if you're in Arizona, get on the AZ the Arizona Fighting Game Community Facebook group and just say, hey, I want to play Tekken, and somebody will speak to you. I will or somebody. Um, I also have like a chat that we're in. Um, that we just talk about events and stuff. Uh, there's also a 3D Fighters Discord um, that Daniel Benitez runs, uh, Dragon Ninja. He's like, you know, the main TO. So shout outs to him. He's been running Z Axis for as long as Tekken 7's been out for all three games. So that's just amazing. And it's just like every month, right? We have a monthly where we can just play. Yeah. Um, so he was the first one, but yeah. So check out the AZ FGC uh, Facebook group, the Discord, um, and you know, contact me, and we can get you information about all the different casuals and tournaments. Of which there's at least like one casuals a week. Sometimes we have two to three tournaments a week. It just depends, um, and it's all over um, the Phoenix area. Like there's Phoenix. Uh, Scottsdale, Tempe, Mesa, wherever you are, like there's a there's probably an event. So, cool. Nice. You mentioned you mentioned Russell. Um, what what event is that? Russell. Uh, it's called Godfist. Godfist. Okay. Because I because there's another place actually in Gilbert. That's the place um, I talked in the previous episode. There's a PC PC gaming place. I think it's called Contender. Oh, sorry. The yeah yeah so can that that is another one contenders one but I'm sorry so Godfist Tuesdays is at um, Olympus Games in Mesa, that's okay. literally finishing up right now. So yeah. I'm gonna check in my chat and see who won after this. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, the contender. I need to check more on that. Like I know that's going on and that they do have tech in there, but 
where did you say yeah. that was? I haven't like looked. I think at it's it. in Gilbert. Yeah, I think that's in East Gilbert. Yeah, I'd have okay. to. I, that's the place I was planning to check out, but I, I noticed that they were starting to run fighting game Saturday events. So, yeah, I figured that's that's probably something. Yeah, I figured that's something that you could probably get wind of eventually, and maybe you know see if people are going over there. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've definitely heard about that. And then uh, where you know. could where where is the axis hosted at? And the axis is at the gaming zone, which is here in Tempe. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh. So that one's. Lots it's of like resources if you want to pick up Tekken in the sunset period, I think. And then be ready, yeah. get ready for Tekken 8, basically. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Tekken 7 ever really died down. And, you know, there's all sorts of online tournaments all, literally every day of the week. Like, you just have to look, just post on Twitter and be like, is there a tournament? And someone will be like, yeah, we're running a five-man bracket for $20. Like, just <laughs> get on this Discord. That's how pretty much how it is. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, once again, um, Mr. Will Get Paid, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Um, you can catch us again next week on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Uh, we don't have a guest uh, finalized at the moment, but uh, uh, stay tuned to the, the Twitter and we'll post, that, post up information once we get that finalized. Um, yeah, you can find us here on Twitch when we go live at uh, twitch.tv slash spiral series, on YouTube with the VODs at youtube.com slash spiral series, and then on Apple Podcasts and Spotify under Absolute Card. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.